We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, guys? Rob Doster here. I wanted to jump on really quickly and apologize for how quiet this feed has gone for the last month. Our schedule in October has been insane. I've been to seven media days in the last two weeks, and I still have two more left on the schedule this week. That's where the focus has been for the field of 68. But now that we're bearing down on the start of the season, the first real games tip off in less than two weeks can't wait, by the way. It's time to start ramping this thing back up. We'll be dropping league-by-league previews in this feed during the week of October 23rd. It's Terrence Oglesby, John Fanta, and myself. We'll start with the Field of 68 After Dark's live shows the week of October 30th, and we're going to have a handful of shows breaking down the college basketball season from different angles, and hopefully a couple of new names and new faces will be in the mix that you will enjoy. They will be placed in audio format right here in this feed as well. We'll be streaming live at 11 p.m. Eastern time, beginning on the very first night of the season, Monday, November 6th, and we will hopefully have a major announcement about the future of the show coming here in the next couple of weeks. One programming note, we've started a second YouTube channel, which I'll link in the description below. We've developed about 15 different team podcasts that are going to be hosted and produced by students, recent graduates, and fans of specific programs the full roster of those pods can be found on our second channel and i'd very much appreciate you subscribing just like i'd love for you to rate and review this podcast feed if you do enjoy all of this content the best way to help support this show is engagement like subscribe rate review do all of those things that you know make us happy as podcasters but that's enough of my rambling it's preview season let's get into it Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Kill the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled. You know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field of 68. After that. So let's get into the Big 12 preview. Let's get into the Big 12 conference. I think the most, well, we'll talk about Kansas versus Houston versus Baylor, all that in a second. I think the most interesting thing here is that they are adding four teams. One of those teams is Houston. Three of those teams were projected in the Almanac to finish 10th or below. Two of them 
are projected to be the last two teams in the conference in BYU and UCF. Is this overall a good thing that it's expanding the way that it's expanding? You get rid of the double round Robin. You're going to have the league diluted a little bit. The conference numbers maybe won't be as great. Where do you stand on this deal? I love the additions, to be honest with you. I think it's going to take a few years for those teams to kind of catch up with the Big 12 way of recruiting, getting that level of talent in there. And I know everybody says, well, uh, the transfer portal helps you. Yeah, well, sure. But at the same time, a place like BYU, where you have inherent recruiting advantages, where you can play a couple 26 years old because they go on their LDS missions and everything like that, there's built-in advantages to what they're doing. Uh, UCF, I think that's the one that's going to take the most time. But as far as Cincinnati is concerned, like Wes Miller, he's starting to get talent there, especially in the high school recruiting ranks. Like he's he, he's going to be fine. It is going to be a bit of an adjustment for those uh, three. However, I, I love the additions purely from a basketball standpoint. And I mean, what's not the love about Houston? To me, there's no downside. Do you want the double round Robin? Sure. And I, I'm not sure this is necessarily a bad thing because I feel like the Big 12 – over the last couple of years with only having 10 teams and the round robin and all of that, like it kind of made it impossible to not include them. So for the rest of college basketball, I think it's a good thing. Big news. The Almanac is officially back. The most exhaustive and comprehensive guide to the 2023-24 college basketball season is available for pre-order now. If you go to cbbalmanac.com, link is in the description below, you can pre-order for just $15.99 or 20% off the sticker price. The format is going to be a little bit different this season. Instead of an 850-page PDF, you'll be getting access to the full site with league-by-league PDFs available for download. The preview will be live on September 20th, so you have until then to be able to get your pre-orders in. So for insight for all 362 Division I teams from their head coaches and the experts that cover them, make sure you hit that link. Well, if you look at the metrics and you look at Ken Pomeroy, at least in his preseason rankings, eight of the top 36 teams are from the Big 12, and there's nobody from the league that is below 72. So that's that's pretty absurd when you're looking at a 14-team league that 14 of the top 72 slots in Kempom are from the Big 12, from one conference. And he's got BYU in that top 36. So we'll see if, if Coach Pope's Cougars are able to fit in around there. I know that preseason polls and, and projections would, would elect to disagree, but it is a good thing. It's, it's a good thing. Cincinnati can be a great program in college basketball. They were set Agreed. back, and I, I believe in Wes Miller. I like the direction he's going in. You, you, you're absolutely right. Not only are they a brand and a program that adds, right? They're also a, a program that matters when they're good in that they have a terrific fan base. They yes. really do. It's just they haven't been – they've been dormant for a little while. Now, for the first time in years – there's going to be at least one time, guys, where on a Saturday we turn on our TV and we're actually interested in a game that's at Cincinnati. Let's face it, unless Memphis was coming in or Houston was coming in, it, it just hasn't mattered as much. So I do think it's a good thing. I think the league's been the best in college basketball over the half decade. Did the conference need these teams? No. They're playing the numbers game. They're playing the football game. But the fact of the matter is this. It's very much on the table. I mean, Three of the top seven teams in Ken Palm are from the Big 12. 
Could this league have half of the final four? Could have three of the final four? Hell yes. Yes, it's on the table for at a certain point, if not this year, at a certain point, the Big 12 Conference could match what the Big East did in, in 1985 when they sent three teams to the final four. That's on the table in this league. Mm-hmm. They did it in 2000 and uh, was it 2011, 2009? I think it was 2011 that they sent three as well. Or maybe it was three number one seats. I don't know. I'm talking out of my ass right now. Let's talk about uh, Kansas versus Houston. I want to I want to start on Kansas because it feels like consensus is, T.O., that this is the best team in college basketball, right? I think everyone's kind of agreed yeah. to that. Um, but I, we're kind of getting to a point where I'm, I'm looking at them and like, all right, they have a really great starting five. But they're two best shooters. Out of this one. No, but it's not not as the best team, but just as like, okay, is it is it really obvious or is it more you know them, Duke, Purdue, Houston? There's a bunch of teams that are all really really good because and here's I'll make the argument to you, they uh they don't really have that much of a bench. It's like Nick Timberlake and then a guy that was a, a walk on at Missouri and a freshman tr- coming in from Australia. Like that's their bench, right? And then you have your two best shooters are the two guys that would be involved in all your pick and rolls in Hunter Dickinson and, and Dewan Harris. Like, is there going to be enough floor spacing? I don't know. I don't, I just, I guess my question is, is it Kansas versus the field in this league as much as it is like Kansas is probably the best team, but Houston's right there and Baylor's right there and Kansas state ain't that far behind and Texas ain't that far behind. Go ahead, John. I'll let you take this one first. Cause I talked too much. Okay, I mean, I, 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 I think I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. I do think it's Kansas versus the field, because I do think that we're grasping for straws a little bit when we're trying to break down Kansas's potential deficiencies, and and I do think that this year in this league, like other than Houston, I don't know if I trust anyone to win the league, to win the league. The fact is Baylor's young. I mean, they're, they still, they've got questions to answer here. They they had turnover. I think they're going to be quite all right. I think they'll be a top 25 team. But, you know, will, how good will this group be defensively? I love the addition of Ray J. Dennis. I, I love watching him previously uh, at Toledo. I thought he was an outstanding score. How does he transition into the Big 12? And, you know, you, you bring in Jaden Nunn from VCU. You've got Jacoby Walter, who we're all excited to watch, but the fact is, this is a group that said goodbye to Adam Flagler, Keontae George, LJ Cryer, and, and, and Flo Thamba as well. Baylor said goodbye to a lot. So, I mean, I, I'm looking at them and I'm saying, I don't know how much I trust them to win the conference. Texas, do I love Max A. Smith? 100%. Uh, but the people down in Austin behind the scenes, they looked at their Big 12 schedule. The Big 12 did them no favors as they're an outgoing member. Uh, they knew exactly what they were doing, right? Texas doesn't get Kansas in their home building. Texas has one trip, one game against Kansas this year. It happens to be at Allen Fieldhouse. There's a reason for that, and the Big 12 made that very clear when mapping out their schedules for the two teams that are leaving for the SEC. Things are set up for Kansas to win this conference because I'm looking at the fact that Houston does not have Marcus Sasser anymore. Houston has... Good players, and Houston should be able to weave it together and be a top 10 potential team. But we don't exactly know if LJ Cryer, Damian Dunn, and Jamal Shedd, how how great they're going to be in January and February. I think they can evolve and continue to mix and be, be great in March, but 
I'm sorry, I'm not betting against Bill Self working with Hunter Dickinson, having his point guard and Dewan Harris, having Kevin McCullough and KJ Adams. And and I got to tell you guys, I don't think Nick Timberlake's getting enough love nationally. This kid right. is, is a relentless competitor, and he is a dynamic sharpshooter. He makes shots. And in the Kansas system, in any system it works, but at Kansas, Bill Self takes his best shot makers and puts them in a position to be great. I think it's Kansas against the field, and I'll take Kansas. Uh, Robbie D I'm going with, uh, Johnny F I, I, it's Kansas versus everybody. And I really like what Houston's put together and we know what kind of culture they bring in. Samson's done an absolutely tremendous job there. LJ Cryer is going to be good. I'm a, I'm a fan of Damian Dunn. That all being said, it's Kansas it, Hunter Dickinson. There is no better player coach, uh, match than those two. Uh, what have we said for, what, the last three years we've been doing this podcast? There's nobody more creative at getting post-touches for his five-man than Bill Self. Well, Hunter Dickinson's now that five-man. They're not messing around with David McCormick, and that's no disrespect to him. He's just not Hunter Dickinson. So it's like they're going to be able to score almost at will at times with that size advantage, and there's enough back there behind them to where you don't need but seven or eight guys if you stay healthy. And that obviously that hinges on a lot. Something happens to Hunter Dickinson, knock on wood, you, you know, the things change. But I, I think their shot making is going to be fine. Dewan Harris is an underrated winner. That's what he is. He's a winner. That's all he does. That's all he's ever done is win. So I'm a massive fan of his. Kevin McCullough, if he improves a little bit, great news. Also a terrific defender. They have what they need. And uh, you just can't bet against Bill Self. And, and he seemed... Whenever you guys did an interview with him, I want to say over the summer, Rob, uh, you and Jeff, like he seemed, I'm not going to say the words reinvigorated because he, his passion never really waned, it seemed like. But coming back from what happened at the NCAA tournament, uh, listening to uh, his voice as he was talking about the upcoming season, uh, it, I, I'm picking Kansas against everybody else. Yeah, he uh, he definitely is out pick to prove field. something. Pick the field. Well, no, I, I in a situation like this, I'm always going to pick the field, right? Like if you're going to say, if, if you say, you don't believe that, yeah, I do. You don't like, believe that, yeah. Like, I think that I think you have to take the field in a situation like this in a league that's as good as this. I do think Kansas is the favorite, and I would have them ranked number one. But if you're going to say Kansas or the field, I got to pick one of them. I probably would take the field because someone might get a share of that title, and I think Houston is very, very good. Um, I do think it is interesting that uh, I don't know if you saw his quote from the press conference after um, the. Uh, the ruling was uh, from the IARP came out, but he was like, now we got something to prove. Like we have the, uh, the guardrails are off, right? We're off the chain. And if you look at what they've done since this came down, they've won like four big 12 regular season titles. They won a couple big 12 tournament titles. They made a final four in 2018. They won the national title in 2022. They're preseason number one right now. They would have been the favorite to win the title in 2020. Like what is Kansas? How much better can you get than that? Right? How much better can you get? Where, where are they going to go from here? We're actually going to get, you know, if they want to, uh, I guess, five-star kids. But he's flourished with getting the 40 to 70 guys. So I, I don't know where he goes from here. He's found a formula that works. <laughs> yes. He's found a well, formula where, that works. Well, I mean, where do you go from here? You you try to build a, a what Villanova did under Jay for those couple of years, 2016, 18, what could have happened a couple of years ago if Justin Moore – doesn't go down with a season-ending Achilles injury. I mean, now you're mm -hmm. now you're sitting there saying all the pieces are in place to win national championships, and 
you've been able to win two. So now can you sit here and, and say, how do we make it more? I mean, that that's, that's what you're targeting here. Right. I, I think that, that Bill Self's in a position to enter into the category of, you know, everybody talks about him being a gangster and all this stuff. And we know it's out there, but the fact of the matter is this, he was able to avoid anything major with, with the now defunct IARP. You said it, Terrence, he knows how to build his, he can get any kid he wants. He can get any kid he wants. He's got the luxury of, he's got the best of every world. And in a world where a lot of coaches have hung it up, he's got a leg up on every other coach, right? Yeah. So so for me, I mean, there's nothing that he can't do. Why not? Why can't Bill Self become a four or five time national champion? And and the, the next step is that maybe in 10 years when we put together a college basketball Mount Rushmore, that you have to say Self's name there. Right now, who are, what are the names you have to say? You have to say Shashevsky and you have to say Wood. Then it's like it's subjective. We could all come with different arguments for different people, right? Yeah. On a college right? basketball Mount Rushmore, I think you have to say Patino. I would make the argument that you have to say Patino. Okay. You have to say Patino. That's three. You only get one more. Somebody would argue Calhoun. Somebody Dean would Smith. argue what? Dean Smith. Yeah. yeah. You know, Dean Smith. Somebody would argue, you know, somebody would present a case for Roy. I mean, there, there's cases that can be made for a, for a bunch of different people in 10 years. Bill Self could remove all that and say, yeah, I'm the greatest of all time. Yeah, he's got to get I think he's got to get at least one more, maybe uh, maybe two more. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Houston, because I do think this is a. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com
it's going to be an interesting year because I think we're going to see a little bit of a different look in terms of how this roster is built, right? The one thing Samson did not do this uh, this spring was go out in the portal and try to bolster the front line a little bit. He went out and he got yeah. LJ Cryer, a guard. He went out and he got Damian Dunn, a guard. He brought in a couple of freshmen, Joseph Tugler and, and, and Jacob McFarland. Um, and he's got a kid named Sed Lott who was a, 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 a redshirt freshman that sat out last season. And he's bringing back Javier Francis. But it's those four guys behind Jawan Roberts. And if you talk to people around Houston, here's what they'll tell you. Terrence Arsenal, Emmanuel Sharp are the two guys that are going to have big, big years that nobody's expecting. Combine that with Jamal Shedd. I mentioned Damian Dunn and LJ Cryer. I think we're going to see a lot of four-guard lineups this year from Kelvin Sampson. Yeah. And, and they're still going to be tough. I know, but like when you think of Houston, you think of tough, physical, big, rebounding, that kind of stuff. Is it going to work with four guards, Theo? Yeah, I mean it should. And Terrence Arsenault was the guy that I was going to break up. I was going to bring up just because he he only averaged just under four points a game last year. But it was because they just had so much that, and he had an opportunity to learn for a year. Uh, they're going to miss Jarris Walker. That dude's a beast. Mm -hmm. uh, you just you see how good he's been early in the NBA season. Like he is a beast. They're going to miss him. Yeah. Outside of that, I mean, you know, how could you argue with a lot of the stuff? You have so many different playmakers and guys that can make something happen for somebody else. Uh, the style of play is going to change a little bit, but it's going to be interesting to see because he did do a lot of like Jairus Walker four, somebody else to five, like we're going to be massive and it, it's gone the other direction. So uh, th there's a lot of playmaking dudes though on that team. It's hard to look past them, but I, yeah. I if, if it were me right now, I'm picking Houston too. Yeah. I think I'd pick Houston too as well. Phantom. My favorite thing. I don't know how much you guys have talked with Kelvin Sampson, but as yeah, he's, he's getting great. older, and he stops uh, stops giving a fuck as much and is willing to just kind of be out there and be himself. He might be the most underrated quotable coach in the country. This is what he told me about Terrence Arsenal for the Almanac. He's never faced any kind of adversity in basketball. He won two state titles and hit game winners. He thinks the world he thinks like the world is Disney World, but there's no magic kingdom in the Guy V. Lewis practice facility. I love that. He said he basically what he said is like we had to bring him in and, and toughen his ass up a little bit. They put 30 pounds of muscle on him. I think we're going to see a big year from old uh, T.A. over there. Another another uh, all quote was I'm looking for the Shih Tzus in this conference. There are none. <laughs> there are none. There he, are said, none. he said they're all German shepherds, man. Where's the Shih Tzus? Where's the Chihuahuas at? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a Rottweiler. Oh, my God. That's a pit bull. <laughs> He's he so said good. That the big so twelve good. is a tough dog park, man. <laughs> it is, but you know what? You know what? He, if it comes to toughness, when it comes to toughness, nobody's going to want to be in a room with Houston. I mean, they they're going to win any. They they are the team that when when you know the the Twitter expression, they think it's a show. And mm -hmm. Houston, Houston knows it's a fight. I'm sorry. If you think it's a show when you're playing against them, you might as well pack your bags and go home. That quality is still going to be there. But look, what I think of with – I'm with you, uh, Terrence, on Jairus Walker. You know, he he embodied that toughness. The, the fact is, to me, the 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 guy that I'm, I'm most intrigued to see if we see the growth in is Terrence Arsenal because – he was a very highly touted recruit. You know, didn't see a whole lot of action last year. Averaged only 14 minutes per game. Kelvin has said that Arsenal is, is poised to take a step up, but what does that look like? Not exactly known for his perimeter shot. He shot 25% from three in a limited sample size, but but 
you know, that, that's something that I'm looking at with this team. And then I just think Jawan Roberts, and here's my preseason name this week. Is it Javier Francis? Javier Francis. Yeah, it's he's Javier the big Javier Francis. So they're counting on those guys in their front court. This is not a team with a seven-footer. All right, this is not a team, right? This is not a team with some majorly imposing presence uh, down low. They, they've got a six-foot-eleven freshman named Jacob McFarland. He's a freshman. He's a uh, he's a year away. It, it's the the two guys off the bench are going to be JoJo Tugler and Sedlot. Um, but the thing I love about him is that JoJo Tugler, JoJo Tugler, big fan. great name. Um, but the the thing I love about the the Kelvin Sampson big guys is he just goes out and finds six eight dudes with seven six wingspan that just like they, they they they're there to win the fight like you said fan and he just he, there's a never ending run of these guys will the, the the biggest thing for me is is not Jamal Shed LJ Cryer Damian Dunn being able to score i mean you're, you're talking about a trio of guys that can average over 40 points per game together mm-hmm. right the question is like you said they built the roster a little bit differently will that backcourt be able to maintain this hard-nosed defensive tenacity that we've seen from Houston teams in the last four or five years. I, I think they will simply because I think at Houston, it's uh it's a non-negotiable, right? Like sure. if you're not going to, if you don't, if you don't play that way, then you're going to, your ass is going to be on. No, it's, it's like a bar cover. Yep. You got, you got <laughs> to pay the tab to get in. That's what um, Houston is. All right. I got a, I got a take for you guys. Tell me if you think that this is hot or not. Uh, most polls have Baylor ranked somewhere in like the 18 to 22 range, right? I would make the argument that Baylor right now is the most undervalued national title contender that there is in terms of what the public opinion is. And here's why. If you look at what made Baylor great in the from 2020 until 2022, it's that they always had a very good uh, – they were really good offensively. They had great guards. They spaced the floor. They could create – and they combined that with having an elite defense. They couldn't guard anybody last year. They had three little guys in the backcourt that didn't really want to do anything. This year, you add Jaden Nunn, a dog from VCU. You add Jacoby Walter, who's 6'5 and long and is a good defender. You add Ray dog. J. Dennis, who uh, who can guard, but I think is going to be a, is a lot more talented. Like Everyone's talking about Tyler Perry, Max Ace mistransferring in. I think Ray J. Dennis is in the conversation for the best addition. Offensive dog. Yes, addition at the point guard spot. Jalen Bridges, we saw his breakout late last year. I think Oodle. that Baylor is going to be really, really good because they're going to be really good offensively, and I think they're going to take a big step up on the defensive end. I love this group, Fanta. I, I really like them, and, and you just said it. Defensively last year was not the Baylor that we've become accustomed to seeing. You know, they they went into the NCAA tournament, and Creighton really just picked them apart, and that was a great Creighton team. But that was part of the theme last year. They just – they could never fully settle in defensively. And I, I think that they've now got a group that that's going to be able to, to perform at that level uh, for, for them to have Jalen Bridges and everyday John, Jonathan Shamwa, Chachua still in the picture. They've got guys who understand what Scott Drew's about, what the program's about, and they're going to be settled in in the front court, it's by every single account. I have heard Jacoby Walter is a dog. Really Just good. Tough, hard-nosed player who's beyond his years. Uh, I'm not going to tell you lies on this pot. I have not watched him play in person. I know that Terrence Oglesby has. But he. somebody said this to me at Peach Jam, that, that Walter 
is the epitome of a Scott Drew recruit. So when you bring in that caliber of a player, right, who is in line to hear his name called next June, this is a team that when you combine the guys that they've brought in in the backcourt and Ray J. Dennis and Jaden Nunn, I mean, when you need a bucket, Ray J. is going to be there for you. So veteran coach, veteran front court, that's out to prove something, unbelievable freshman talent, and you hit it nicely in the transfer portal. Yes, is Baylor getting undervalued? Without question. Mm-hmm. Where you no, I agree. Me? I agree for, for all intents and purposes for what you said. I, I think another thing is having Ray J. Dennis, uh, who's been extremely successful in college, you kind of have that go-to score early in the season. And then as we've seen in recent years, you have to have this blend of older talent with young super talent and i would throw jacoby walter in there uh myro little's a very very good player but uh they they're gonna have guys that can take over the, at the end of the game and whenever you're fighting some of these you know tooth and nail drag outs that happen in the big 12 like you're gonna have somebody that can create something at the end of the clock and to me guys shot creation at every level of basketball is just at such a premium and when you have guys that can do that with consistency, and Ray J. Dennis has proven he can do that with consistency. And he can, he comes from Toledo. He comes from the MAC. And people are like, well, he's taking a The MAC is a tough, tough league good. to score buckets in. And yeah, the fact is. that he averaged almost 20 a game in the MAC. Let me let me put this into context. It's not real, changing. Let me, let me put that into context real quick. Look at the numbers that Imani Bates put up in the MAC last year. Look at the numbers that Ray J. Dennis put up in the MAC last year. And look at what Imani Bates is doing right now with the Cavs. All right. Just. Use that as context for what Ray J. Dennis had 19.5 and 5.8 assists on like 48% shooting from the field and 36% shooting from three. Dude, it's a ball on a Toledo team that was really freaking good. Mm-hmm. Really good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, having having a guy that can create at the end of the clock with consistency is huge. And then as Jacoby Walter gets more comfortable, that gives you two guys to go along with everything that Fanta said uh, defensively and and, you know, Jalen Bridges coming back and being a piece and Chemwa Chachua coming back. How long has he been in college? Feels like forever. It's like him having a season. Room. Yeah, ha- having a season of health. Uh, th- there's so much to like. And, and you just don't bet against Scott Drew. And then now he's got the bodies and the athletes to play defense like he wants to. They're going to be really tough. Yeah, two things I'll say. One is uh, Eve Missy, the freshman from Prolific Pep. Uh, pr- uh, prolific Prep. The Pep. It- the, the the prolific pep uh, is going to be a good player, um, and yes. then uh, Myro Little um, is he didn't get there until late. I think he got there in August because he was playing with his national team. So he's another guy that like is going to give you a boost late in the season, and uh, hopefully Langston Love will be able to um, have an impact this year. He was a little banged up this off season, so uh, when he gets back healthy, then uh, that will be a nice little bump as well. Myro so. Little, another Finnish person coming over. You love uh you love those Scandinavians, T.O. That, that I do. Sure. Finnish kids are tough too, man. Oof, right. A lot tougher um, than Norwegians. I I do think that two of the more interesting storylines are going to end up being Kansas State and Texas, right? And I'm curious where you guys stand on these two teams because I think they are very very similar in the sense that uh, Jerome Tang and Rodney Terry both, I think it's fair to say, outperformed expectations in what was effectively. Um, they're both of their first seasons at head coaches as head coaches at those two programs. Both of them are bringing in uh, all like mid-major all-American point guards and, and Max A. Smith and Tyler Perry. 
Um, and both of them have a couple of players on their rosters and, you know, a Dylan Mitchell and, and Arthur Kaluma, uh, Naquan Tomlin players like that, who we're all expecting to, to kind of take a leap and can be kind of, if you want to talk about like national X factors or whatever, I think you put those guys in those conversations. So if, uh, if you're betting TO's um, Valley sports salary on this uh, Fanta, who is going to be better this season, Kansas state or Texas and why? Wow. That's a hell of a question. I'm going to go with Kansas State. I'm going to go with Kansas State. Uh, I, I I think that Tyler Perry and Arthur Kaluma are going to be able to to step up to the plate and and keep the winning going. Uh, obviously, what Kaluma was part of last year at Creighton, I think that that only translates. Perry uh, comes from a winning program in North Texas. Naquan Tomlin is one of my favorite players in. in college basketball because his motor is relentless and he's a guy that yes his stats show up but he does so much more than just his stats his stats will be louder this year too they're going to be louder they're going to be louder this this to me uh, i understand the whole take about year one outperforming but i just think there's a little bit more depth and a little bit more known uh in the little apple than there is at texas and it's not to say that i don't like the way that texas could play uh, and I don't like the Texas potential, but but guys, you know, Marquise Noel was unbelievable, but Texas lost Marcus Carr, Serge Ibari Rice. Who, if you look at Serge Ibari Rice over over the last month of last season, he He's was awesome. a starter. He was absolutely phenomenal for Texas. Timmy Allen, Christian Bishop. I mean, they they had a solid off season. To me, if Dylan Mitchell can play to the level that he was recorded to be capable of heading into college, then my answer would change. But I just don't know if I trust Dylan enough on the offensive end of the floor yet to say that. And so it's for that reason that I like the the, the nucleus of Perry, Kaluma, Tomlin, and the energy surrounding that program, the way they play and what Tang did in a full year one. At the end of the day, I mean, I'm just being honest here. Yeah, he did it with with guys that he was within the program, but but Jerome had a, a full year there, wrote out the journey. To me, Rodney took over in a situation. It's nothing, it's not to put any blame against Rodney. I, I want to make that very clear or discredit him. But those were old, old dudes at Texas that just took a horrible situation and tried to make it something positive for them. For that reason, I like the nucleus at Kansas State a little bit more. I'm going with the Wildcats. Yo, uh, both still very good. And then they also had Quez Glover, who's going to come off the bench, who is a lightning rod point guard. So they're going to have two small guards that can both get 20 quickly, not 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 kind of fast over the course of four minutes. So uh, Arthur Kaluma, I thought, never really got his due when it came to like how good a ISO score he actually is. I think he's going to slide over and be really good in the Big 12. I think it's going to be pretty easy. Um, here's another thing, too. When it comes to Texas, I just for argument's sake, I, I'm on the Kansas State wagon, too, for what it's worth, because Naquan Tomlin's a dude, and he's going to continue to be a dude, and he's going to be even better this year with some guys, but uh, with some more guys around him where he's a little bit more heavily featured. Tyler Perry's obviously great, but Tomlin's going to explode. So just throwing that out there when it comes to Texas, though, I think Caden Shedrick was a really under 
undervalued transfer addition. And when I say undervalued, it, he's not a name that people know right off the bat because he played at Virginia and was used sparingly. He didn't fit that system because he's this long rangey shot blocking guy that can step out a little bit. They don't do that at Virginia. And sometimes he struggled. I think he's going to be good in that system alongside athletes. Dylan Mitchell's going to be good. Dylan DeSue's going to be back. Like Max Asmus and Tyrese Hunter, that's going to be a backcourt to be reckoned with. Those are two really, really good players, older players, that I think we'll be able to feed off each other. And if there's one thing we we learned last year with Tyrese Hunter is his ability to play either guard spot and do so uh, unselfishly. He's willing to let the ball go at times. And his ability to be, be able to go back and forth uh, with those guard spots is huge. And that allowed Rodney and the Longhorns to – go out and get a Smith just simply because, Hey, we know what Tyrese can do for us at both guard spots. And sometimes he's willing to let that ball go. Uh, both teams are going to be really good, but if I had to pick one, I would go Kansas state just because of all the, all those reasons you mentioned, but a uh, huge Naquan Tomlin guy. I know Tyler Perry is getting a lot of the, the headlines, but Naquan's coming. I'm just telling you. Yeah. They also love uh data AMs, uh, data Ames, the freshman from Chicago. Uh, yeah. Another tough, your typical six-one tough Chicago guard got, got a lot of Jacob pulling in him. Um, I, I tend to lean Texas, but I do think that the fact that Texas is ranked twelfth in the Almanac and Kansas State is unranked uh, says a lot about where people view them. So I think that at this point, like Kansas, it's a coin flip, and I don't understand why there's that much of a gap between the uh, the way that people view them. All right, Texas Tech, TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Cincinnati, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Who there's there's a lot of other good teams in this league. Uh, give me one that you think is kind of being undervalued, a, a team that you think can make a run. Like where where do you stand on the rest of this conference? Because I think there are there's to me there's a clear cut top five, and then there's like seven other schools that if things go right can all kind of find a way to get into the NCAA tournament. I I like TCU, man. I, I, I think do. TCU. I do good. too. Yeah. Uh, Ernest Uday Jr. was a really good player. He just got stuck behind some other really good players at Kansas. He's going to be awesome. Jameer Nelson, J- Jameer Nelson Jr. was a bucket at Delaware. They got a, a really good player there. And Avery Anderson's one of the best athletes in that league. I mean, he's what, 6'2, a buck 70, but man, he's everywhere. And he plays so stinking hard that they just have too many guys not to be good. And uh, I'll never put it past. Uh, Oh, gosh, brain fart. Jamie Dixon. I'll never put it past Jamie Dixon to have a tough, competitive, rugged bunch that's going to be really difficult to play at home. I, I think TCU is really good. Yeah, and I think he found an answer, T.O., in, in terms of how he wants to play with Mike Miles and Damian Ball and getting up and down the floor. He went out and got two speedsters from the portal, uh, from the portal, from, from the portal and Jameer Nelson Jr. and Avery Anderson. I'm having a tough time today, man. You should have heard that me yesterday. Try to, you. That workout's whooping you. You should have heard me yesterday try to say <laughs> anonymously. I messed it up like four straight times, man. It's 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 rough. Anonymously, it's rough. unanimously, it's that time of year. Anonymously. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I said. Anonymously. <laughs> Talk well, to me about TCU, Fanna. Okay, well, I, I I love them. I mean, I I think that when I saw them picked eighth in the almanac, I got to be honest with you, I was a little bit surprised. And and don't get me wrong, losing Mike Miles Jr. is a huge loss. We know what he meant, but. Remember, Mike Miles was out of the equation for some time last year, and TCU, despite they, they lost their season opener, but despite that, they they were able to piece things together, and that's kind of how Jamie Dixon does things. Watching Jameer Nelson Jr., 
He's a high-level guard. He's a freak of an athlete, an absolute freak of an athlete. You will see that in the Big 12. He'll have at least one dunk this year that makes you say, holy smokes. You know, Avery Anderson the third. One thing I always look at in the transfer portal is guys who haven't been to the NCAA tournament who are going to a program to make the NCAA tournament make a run. And uh, Avery obviously wanted a change in destination, right, from Oklahoma State. So he comes to TCU where they've been making it. They've been consistent. O'Bannon Jr., uh, Emmanuel Miller. I mean, Emmanuel Miller at six foot seven to average twelve and seven. He's per so game. underrated, I, man. He's I so underrated. Those, he really is underrated. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the country. Mm-hmm. Not to mention at six foot seven, Emmanuel Miller. He shot the basketball close to forty percent from three last year. So I really like Emmanuel related to uh, G League Ignite product Leonard Miller. By the way, fun fact: same same family. Um, and then, you know, Ernest Uday is is going to be tough. Hard-nosed, make things happen. Not not to mention Mike Apivi off the bench. Travion Tennyson from Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And just Jamie's such a good coach. You know, the, the reason why Jamie Dixon doesn't get more credit nationally is because he's got a little bit of Matt Painter syndrome. Like, he hasn't always had the most success in, in the NCAA tournament. Sorry, Coach Paint. I mean, I, I think you're going to overcome that this year. But I, I think Jamie's unfortunately been on the wrong end of things when his teams just play really, really freaking hard. They've got too many veterans. I mean, they're the team that I would pick, Rob, but I'm going to tee you up here because I, I, I hope you might be going in this direction. The team I'm most fascinated by outside that top group of four or five is Grant McCaslin and Texas Tech for obvious reasons because I just am really curious to see how Coach McCaslin – puts the initial stamp on this program. Yeah, I think that they're going to be they're going to be better than what people expect just because I think Grant McCaslin is good enough to be able to coach him up. But I mean, you look at the talent on the roster and I just I don't know is there an all Big 12 player on that team? And I don't know if there's an all Big 12 player on the team. That's kind of what I come back to um with Texas Tech. Uh, I think Iowa State is someone that we're not talking about enough. I know they lost a bunch, but Taman Lipsy is a stud. Uh, the Keyshawn Gilbert kid they brought in from UNLV is going to be really, really good. And good player, yeah. Good and, player. and and um, Omaha Blue is uh, is really good and fits what they want to do well. But the, the guy to keep an eye on there is the freshman uh, Milan Momsilovic. They have the the Serbian kid coming in who is uh, brings a different dynamic. He can really score and he's really versatile. Monchilovic. Monchilovic. Um, he's Monchilovic. one to keep an eye on. Um, I wanted to mention them. Uh, West Oklahoma Virginia. State. Oklahoma State. Well, I, I wanted to go with Oklahoma first because I think that Oklahoma oh. is a team that a lot of people are completely overlooking and no one's paying any attention to. JV McCollum, Milos Uzan, and Otega Owe is, is about as good of a one, two, three as you're going to find outside of like the top three or four teams in this conference. And I mean, look, look at the numbers that Uzan put up over the last like two months of last season, right? Javen McCollum is a speedster. I think that if you take into the idea that, uh, that Oklahoma put together a roster that where they prioritize nothing but like shooting and athleticism and speed this off season, I think they're one going to play a little bit of a different style than they did last year. And two, I think we're going to see a lot more talent. I mean, the, the Suarez, I think think JV McCollum's in for a rude awakening. You think so? Yeah, I saw him a couple times last year. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he's a buck forty-five soaking wet. That is not the league to be small. 
That, I that mean, is not the league to be small. So how do you feel about Max Acemus then? That that's that's where I come back to. Yeah, but he's old and like he's done it. And and when you're averaging thirty, that's different. When you're averaging fifteen <laughs> at Siena, that's different. When you've scored two thousand five hundred and sixty-two yeah. points. What are you saying? That JV McCollum didn't play in the Elite Eight? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're saying, Theo? What are you insinuating? What I'm saying. That's what, what I'm saying. Oh, I also Oklahoma State. I got to throw this out there. They had a really good freshman class. The, the Jamiron Kelly's a bull. Uh, Brandon Garrison was ranked highly. So was Eric Daly Jr. This kid, Justin McBride, is so much was so much fun to watch at the Peach Champ. He's not the most athletic dude. He's not the most explosive guy. He just finds ways to score. He played with Liam McNeely on that Drive Nation team two years mm-hmm. ago. Oof. He is a good, good, good player. They're going to love having him. Oklahoma State beat Kansas for him. So, like, good player. And, hey, uh, Javon Small. Yes, that's what I was about to say. Transfers in from East Carolina. The last time somebody transferred in from East Carolina and played the point guard position would be Tristan Effing Newton and the Connecticut Huskies. Yeah, Javon Small is going to be very, very, very good. He's someone that I think is uh, is not East getting East Carolina, any- feeder yeah. school. Feeder school. Um, no, but Javon Small, he averaged 16, five and, and five and a half assists and shot 40% from floor and 33% from three. He's, he's, he's very, very, and he good. should help Oklahoma state be better offensively. Yes. Which is something that's needed. Yeah. And well, they, I mean, they, they, they turned over their whole roster too. I mean, yeah. they, they, they kept, they kept Bryce. They kept, and, and to your, to your point, John, they, they needed to because of that. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the Bryce, Bryce Thompson and Javon Small together in their backcourt is going to be good. Uh, the whole it, it's what it's going to come down to for Oklahoma State is whether Eric Daly lives up to the hype that he had like three years ago. You know, is he going to be that like five star kind of McDonald McDonald's All American caliber player, or is he going to be the guy that was kind of um, I don't maybe it's not fair to say he got a bad reputation, but whatever. And then Isaiah Miranda, like he's an absolute freak redshirt freshman from North Carolina State. Last thing, I just thirty seconds from each of you guys, Raekwon Battle. Had his transfer waiver um, denied and it's being appealed by the NCAA. He's a two-time transfer that did not graduate from Montana State. So he should have known going in that he probably wasn't going to end up getting a waiver. He also left his school after his coach took a new job. Where do you guys stand on whether or not a player in that specific situation should be able to play? Because I fall on, uh, I can see either side of the argument here. Fanna, why don't you go first? If a coaching change is made, the player should be allowed to transfer wherever they want to. It doesn't matter how many times they've transferred previously. You play for a coach. You suit up for a coach. I am so tired of this crap with the transfer waivers. There was a coaching change made. He's deciding on a new destination. He doesn't work for that boss anymore. And I say boss. I know they're student athletes. But at the end of the day, this is professional sports now. I'm so tired of this BS. Okay? It's absolutely ridiculous that Raekwon Battle's waiver got denied. And I would say it about anybody. If a co- Again... For the third time, if a coaching change is made, you're allowed to go wherever the hell you want. You don't need me. I agree with Fanta. Yes, that's where I land on it as well. Listen, this has been the Big 12 Preview DTF Podcast Field of 68. We're going to get into the SEC next week. We're going to try to calm Fanta down just a little bit. I don't need you. If you can see the V in the background, he is at the Villanova building. I don't need you uh, breaking anything. I don't need Kyle Neptune getting mad at us. T.O.'s throwing water bottles all over the There's place. I think line behind me. No, oh, crack it open. Um, listen, uh, Field of 68, likes, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things that make us happy as podcasters. And we will see you guys again next week. Nine days, baby. Nine days. College basketball season. It's almost here.
Thank you for watching the field of 68. If you've enjoyed what you've seen here, hit that like button, share this link with your friends or check out the description for some other places that you can consume field of 68 content.